Welcome to the Church and Culture Podcast, a weekly discussion with Dr. James Emery White on the latest trends happening in culture and where and how the church should respond. Jim is the founding and senior pastor of Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, president of Serious Times, a ministry devoted to exploring the intersection of faith and culture, former professor of theology and culture at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where he also served as their fourth president, and the author of more than 20 books. I am your host, Alexis Dry, and I can't wait to dive into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining us. On last week's episode, we addressed some of the most common critiques of megachurches, and it was a really interesting conversation as we were able to get some really helpful insider perspective um, from someone who has watched his church grow from literally what was then his family of five to now a church of thousands. And so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that conversation yet, we hope you will go back and do that. I think you'll find it worthwhile. Um, But related to that conversation is the important truth that no matter how large your church gets, it never becomes easy or never gets easier to see someone leave. Okay, Um, Churches large and small, and I would say those who work in ministry and those who just attend a church, they all feel the sting and the loss when a connected member of the community leaves. You know, because the church is supposed to operate like a family. And when that's happening, have someone exiting that to have someone exit that family. It's difficult. And oftentimes that feels really personal. And so, Jim, what I want to talk to you today is is that. um, That's what I want to talk to you about today. You know, the process of leaving a church, just particularly in a culture like ours that really values anonymity and the ability to enter and exit relationships, um, however best, you know, suits you or according to your own personal preferences. And so I want to talk about how much church life should really complement or reject that approach. I want to talk about when it is okay to leave a church. And if you do that, if there is a a good way to leave a church. Um, but first, and there may absolutely be no correlation here, but I have heard you talk before um, on, on previous podcasts, I think, if not definitely in blogs, about this great resignation, particularly within the job field and, and that um, a lot of people have left um, church work or ministry work um, as a connected to kind of what's going on in culture. Is that true as well? Uh, Like, is there a connection too with, is there a mass exodus happening of people like church attendees leaving churches too? Uh, Yes. And real quickly, let me piggyback off what you were saying earlier, just because I want to join in the sentiment and the spirit of that, which is that um, this is a difficult conversation for any pastor to have. Uh, even as a detached cultural observer, I, I can't be a detached cultural observer completely because um, it, it's always personal. Every departure is personal and feels personal. And uh, the church is a family. And if you're leading it like a family, you're going to feel that even more acutely. Stuart Briscoe once said that the three qualifications of a pastor was the mind of a scholar, the heart of a child, and the hide of a rhinoceros. And I don't care how long you've been pastoring, the hide part is just difficult. But to the larger cultural things, yes, I think that this is a time of great transition and exodus, both over the last three years. And it was largely accelerated by COVID, although it was happening before COVID. COVID, what COVID did on so many different levels is it just accelerated things. It accelerated the digital revolution. It accelerated the post-Christian uh, post-Christian. Uh, world and the exodus of churches. It, it accelerated the decline of many churches that were already in decline. 
And so what you saw happen, particularly during the um, the period of time when many, if not most churches were, were closed to in-person services, people who are attending on the periphery uh, drifted off and, and did not return. Um, or uh, now if you had a healthy, robust online presence, you, you, you might've seen the vast majority migrate there and you didn't really lose them. But most churches did not have that online presence. And most churches did just flat lose people. And that just almost became habit to not attend. And they might've been on the periphery to begin with. And also people use that time to uh, go to another church perhaps. And it was just kind of a, they had kind of a, a smoke screen cover to do that in a way that wasn't very conspicuous. So there, there was a lot, but yeah, the drift of the, of the peripherals, but you also had deep ideological divides that erupted during COVID. And those ideological divides, as we've talked about in previous episodes here and there, became almost theology for people. So therefore it became, I can't go to a church that, and it was, you know, you know, has people wear masks or doesn't have people wear masks, or I can't go to a church that where the pastor was in favor of getting vaccines or a pastor who wasn't in favor of getting vaccines. In other words, I, I it, you know, it, it depends, you know, if, if they, if you talked about George Floyd and his murder, I'm, I can't go to a church that does that, or I can't go to a church that doesn't do that. And so you had ideological divides become huge, almost theological divides, and people were leaving churches over ideology in vast droves and trying to find a church that looked like them and, and said what they wanted to say and did what they wanted to do. And so, yes, there was a lot happening culturally over the last three years that has left a lot of churches dazed and confused and a lot of leaders dazed and confused saying, you know, what happened? Well, that's kind of what happened. Well, I, I hate that I even have to make this point, but I just want us to kind of acknowledge the fact that leaving a church should not be the first step in conflict resolution. Um, like you can leave a church um, for a lot of wrong reasons. And you just mentioned, you know, idea, ideological concerns being one of them. But what are some other, you know, mistaken reasons be and, and how can they be avoided? Yeah. And a lot of this is a discipleship question. I mean, you know, you want to disciple people on how to handle certain things. And a lot of times when somebody leaves a church, excuse me, um, it was uh, it was they didn't need to. And and um, so here are some wrong reasons. One, excuse me, uh, a refusal to work through conflict, just a refusal to do Matthew 18, 15. And they just feel like instead of facing this conflict, I'm going to flee this conflict. Instead of facing this relational breakdown, I'm going to flee this relational breakdown. And so a refusal to work through conflict biblically, which is what you're called to do within Christian community. Another reason that's not a good reason is you just didn't get your way. Uh, there was some vote that didn't go the way you wanted it to go or some decision that leadership made that you wanted them to make a different decision. Um, you know, the old fine, well, I just want to take my marbles and go home. And so you do have some of that. Uh, that would not be a good reason. Um, uh, another reason, and this is kind of similar to that, is um, a desire for control. And uh, and it's, it's kind of similar, but where you start saying, well, I want there to be more accountability, but that accountability really is a euphemism for control. In other words, in other words, it's not that you don't want a decision made. It's just that you want to be the one who makes the decision. And you don't want someone else to make the decision. So when, you're, when you don't have the control that you want, you want to go someplace where you, you may maybe have more control. Um, and <laughs> one guy, uh, this was another pastor, said, a guy said, I'm leaving the church. And the guy, then this pastor said, why? He says, well, 
I want to be chairman of the board and you don't have a board. <laughs> it's like, you know, okay. You know, um, and, uh, but uh, then another reason that's not a good reason, and this may, this may seem comical, but I've just been pastoring too long not to have this on a list. And that is, and I, and I joke about it, but it's true. Every time you go through a capital campaign, people will leave. And because they don't want to hear you talk about money, they don't want to be, uh, they don't want to, they're, they're not going to give, they don't want to give. And so they're going to extricate themselves from a situation where they might feel awkward about it. So literally, if I were to say, hey, we're going to start a capital campaign to raise funds for this strategic initiative that we need for the cause of Christ, you can almost count on X percent leaving and maybe at best returning when the capital campaign is over. And then finally, it was what I've mentioned already, ideological divides. Um, you know, I can't go to a church that doesn't reflect me. And increasingly, that means reflecting me politically, reflecting me culturally, and uh, reflecting uh, things that are are not things that would not have been considered theological issues in the past. And quite frankly, aren't theological issues now, but we've made ideological issues our new theology. Hmm. All right. Well, then on that note, let's talk about reasons why it would be okay to leave a church. And I know you're going to mention theological concerns, and that's certainly at the top of the list. But I'm also just interested because I think more than that, I just hear a lot about people wanting to leave over just like kind of preferential differences, you know, like with the large variety of churches available, you know, is it okay to leave a church just because you, you know, you just prefer a different style of worship or a different kind of music or a different approach to community or student ministries or, you know, so on. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, you're right. I'm going to put theology at the top of the list. <laughs> uh, but uh, because a church, um, if a church drifts away from historic Christian orthodoxy, then you need to find another church. Uh, and I would, I would be the first to champion that departure. Uh, I think other reasons that are legitimate are leadership issues, not just leadership issues in general. And I don't mean like, oh, I just don't like the leadership or I disagree with the leadership. I'm talking about leadership where there's been really, obviously, financial mismanagement of almost a criminal nature, where there has been the abuse of power or authority, where there is a toxic culture, where there's a trail of bodies behind uh, this leadership or this church. And so um, almost a cult-like control type of uh, dynamic to it. Um, I think another reason that could be legitimate is if you genuinely, uh, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, feel called to help another church strategically. And normally what I'm thinking of is like a church plant. Mm, Like I I feel called by God to be help this church plant get started or. um, And so uh, another reason that uh, I think is, is legitimate is if there is a really needed niche ministry that is going to be the deal breaker about whether your family can really participate in the church. And I'm thinking here of a family, for example, with special needs, where if there's not a ministry for, you know, a child with special needs um, and um, that would allow that child to be involved and that family to be involved, then, yeah, they might need to find a place that's going to allow that family to, to do that. Or they should at least or if their church can't do it or won't do it and they've tried, then, yeah, there could be special niche ministries that, that facilitate involvement. But having said that, you'd mentioned styles and, mm-hmm. and, um, and approaches. And, you know, first thing that in my mind is, well, what happened? I mean, that church probably had that style when you joined it. So like, what, what, why, why all of a sudden would you be at odds with it? Now, if the church went a different direction, 
and, and, you know, missionally, then I would still just ask yourself, okay, don't leave it just over stylistic differences. Find out why that church is making those stylistic differences. And if it really is appropriate for, to be made to another, to reach the unchurched, for example. And so uh, style is, is, is less substantive to me. Um, especially if you were initially okay with it, or if they're making stylistic differences for the sake of the mission, you should at least listen and find out. So why is this mission centric? And if it is, maybe I should die to myself. It may not be my kind of music, but then again, it's not about me. It's about who we're trying to reach. And so that's okay. Um, the church doesn't have to be about me. Otherwise I'm just a consumer. It's just a provider of a consumer commodity. And I'm just making a choice based on, on what I prefer. And I don't think that's the way to approach church its mission or the sense of the cause of Christ or the family. So I would say in that case, stay with the church, work with it, find out what's going on, be a part of it. Because in a lot of these situations, it's not supposed to be about you. Yeah. Well, what about, gosh, I feel like I'm trying to throw out the entire laundry list of reasons, but go ahead. ahead. I mean, we've been in ministry for a while and I've heard all these, these things and it's almost kind of like with each of these or like, with each, with each of these examples, it's kind of like even deeper feelings of loss when this happens. And so this is why I feel like I need to to bring these up because what I've been, I, what I've heard a lot and, and I've seen a lot in, in my own experience with ministry is I've heard a lot of like long time attendees, you know, people who have been coming to our church for gosh, 10 plus years who just say that they just want to experience something different, right? Like they've been attending, you know, your church for a long time and it's a good church, but they just want something, you know, smaller or bigger or just a little different, you know, or um, oftentimes I'll hear people say like, well, you know, our kids are all grown up now. And so we just want to find something that's a little bit more kind of catered to people our age or a little closer to home or, you know, whatever the case may be. What do you think about that? I have, I have two thoughts. My first thought is that's, that's fine. I mean, that's okay. You know, life change happens and, uh, you know, okay. Then I have a second response, which is, but that's not okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that if it's just a restlessness, then I would say I would want to talk about the restlessness rather than projecting it perhaps out on a church or a community. If it really has been a church and a community that has served you well and has been home for you, and you're feeling this, is it really, is it, is it really the church? Or is this more about you? And, 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 and are you really going to extricate yourself from this and then find out that the restlessness is still there? It wasn't about making a church change. And so I would want to, to the degree that someone would allow it, you know, what's, what's causing, what's going on with the restlessness and, and kind of get at that. Um, and also, again, as I mentioned before, I think the key is mission. And, and, uh, you know, if you're like, one of your examples was, you know, I want to, my kids are older and they're gone and I want to go to church. It's got more people my age. Wow. Um, I wish I could breathe vision into you about how you need to be pouring yourself into younger generations and mentoring young men and women. And, you know, if you've been married 20, 30 years, mentoring people been married two or three and, and, and working with that and, and having that wonderful ministry, you could go to a church as let's say you're in your fifties or sixties and you can go to a church that's filled with 50 and 60 somethings, but how exciting would it be to be in your fifties and sixties and full of a church with twenties and thirties that you could pour into and have that vibrant ministry and, and have that life breathed back into you. And so I would, I, I would say that, um, you know, the church is going to need you more than ever, actually, as you age and grow and, and mature. And particularly if it's a church that's continually reaching people for Christ or if it's got a younger edge to it. So, again, I, 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 
I really want to, and we'll continue to in this conversation, try to latch on to those legitimate things that might lead to a, a you know, separation. But I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little, I'm going to push back on ones that seem more like just a consumer decision. You know, it's just, you know, where it's about you and, 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 and all the ways that it shouldn't be about you or me, you know, because the church isn't like a supermarket or a grocery store or where you get your dry cleaning done. Um, and it's not about just what seems to meet all of your needs and check all of your boxes in terms of your felt uh, needs experientially, therapeutically and, and relationally. It's about where you put a towel over your arm and you're serving as well. And you're part of a family and coming together for the mission. Yeah, that family analogy is really helpful for this conversation. Um, I mentioned that with each example, it's like the harder it gets when this happens, right? And this is the hardest one for me. And it's when staff members, previous staff members leave a church. Um, You know, even when leaving staff on good terms, it just seems to be really difficult for some staff to kind of transition to a non-staff role. Um, So difficult, in fact, that it can seem easier just to kind of leave and start over somewhere else. I know that this is not an easy one for you either. So yeah, how do how do you perceive this? I mean, it just feels like a knife, mm. you know, going into your heart every time. You know, if a church is a family, which it is, and if you lead it like a family, you treat it like a family, which, you know, we do. Uh, if the church is a family, the staff is the nuclear family. You know, if you've got this extended family, which is a church, staff is like, you know, the closest brothers and sisters, the, the ones, you know, the home of the, of it all. And so it's so, so painful. Um, and there's just not one way that staff leave. There's multiple ways uh, there can be a departure. Um, none of them easy, but some easier than others and more, you know, acceptable. If that's, I'm not sure I want to use that word, but I'll use it for now. Uh, one type of departure is when it is performance-based or there's a morality issue. And, and, you know, in some ways those are painful in their own, but easier because it's like, okay, we had no choice. And this was, this was not something that was, we, we had to do this. And so I've, in my years have had to, um, you know, we've had to invite people off of staff for those reasons and, uh, it's painful, but necessary. And when it's performance issues, it's not something, it's some, you've, it's, it took some time, you know, you try to work through some stuff, but eventually you just say, you know, this is not obviously the best fit for you or for us. And so how can we create a situation where you can succeed in, in a better environment or a different environment? When it's a moral issue, then obviously you just have to address that on a, you know, depending on what it is. And that's a whole nother podcast. <clears throat> another way staff can leave is when they're, they're, they're legitimately called to another role, called to another ministry, called away. And hopefully that's done in such a way when it's done well, then, you know, for example, if, if, that staff person would have come to me and said, look, I, I, I have no idea whether this is definitively God, but I'm starting to feel this, or I've been approached about this. And there's some things I found it intriguing and I want to invite you into it. And can we pray about it together? And, and in a healthy church environment, that should always be okay. Not something fearful. It's not like I'm going to fire you on the spot because you told me you're, you're thinking about this. It's like, no, thank you. We can go on this journey together. What's hurtful is when somebody walks into your office and says, I've been wrestling with this for six months. and I finally reached my decision. I'm leaving in two weeks. You know, we I was were you not going to take me along on the journey or have me pray about this or nope? I mean, this makes it really hard to bless you out the door. Um, and so, uh, 
you know, hopefully when it's done in a healthy way, the appropriate people were all involved and knowing about it, praying about it. And, and if at the end of the process, it's like, you know what? Nope, nope, nope. That's not what I'm called to do. Then, you know, we go merrily along. It's not like a, a mark on their record. Um, but if they are called to it, it's always a win-win. If God is in it, it's always a win-win. It's a win for them. It's a win for us. I mean, you know, because God's got something in plan, you know. So, uh, but um, then another th- third one, and this is where it gets really complicated, is when you've got like a staff person who's very happy. And they're doing a great job, but they've got some family dynamics that are at war with their role on staff, whether it's the fact that it's weakened intensive or the fact that it's um, maybe the, 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 the spouse has a falling out with something with the church or whatever. There's just where there's conflict there. That's the hardest because you see the heartache in the staff person and they feel like they've got to quit and they don't want to quit, but they've got their family and, uh, you know, and I've walked through that. And, and so um, it's never easy. But I am glad that the vast majority of staff, and I'll just speak for Matt, we've got so many staffers that have found this a place where they can flourish for very long periods of time. You know, of late, we've been celebrating a lot of 10, 15, and 20-year anniversaries, and it seems like, gosh, all these long-term folk. And I'm glad that the vast majority of people who have served on MEC staff who left are still either active in the life of the church and um, and uh, and often will step away for a season, but then come back and, and rejoin staff at our, you know, invitation and our joy. And, um, and so, I mean, I can name, you know, so many, and they look back on their years on staff as being wonderful and rich. And maybe they took time away because I don't know, uh, they had a, a, a child with particular needs or a parenting season or, or whatever. And then you talk to them and they say, listen, Hey, uh, that season's over. I'd love to come back, <laughs> you know. And that's that's a win. And and you, you like that, and you hope that that's the common. But the key in in that I always try for, and I think what would be ideal is is whatever is done, it's done in a way that you can bless them, you can honor them, and 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 nobody's weird about it. And it's just done on in a way on our end and their end that it's it's relationally clean and, and you can just celebrate what God's doing in everybody's life. Hmm. Thank you. That was, yeah, that was helpful. It doesn't, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't take away the sting when it happens, but it's helpful to have no. that um, that understanding or that that framework, especially in the different ways, as you mentioned, that people can leave, leave a staff. Um, okay, but let's just say that you do have a legitimate concern um, about something that's happening in your church. You know, your pastor has been making, you know, some political remarks that don't seem very much, very supported by the Bible, or um, your church seems to have really lost its heart for evangelism, or, you know, the latest church expenditure did not seem very missional. You know, before you decide to just leave, what next steps might you take before you get to that point? You know, don't ghost your church. <laughs> don't don't take immediately to a, a blog or social media and start airing all of your concerns or issues or accusations or suspicions. Don't create dissent by going to other people and telling them all your stuff and trying to shore up support for how you're feeling or what you're concerned about. Do go directly to the people involved, go directly to the staff involved, go directly to the church leadership that involved and go to it early on. Don't let it sit and simmer and get bigger and bigger and bigger where it gets bigger in your mind because it could very well and often is a very small little thing with a very easy explanation. So just go immediately and just say, hey, da 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 
And, you know, what was up with that? I'm just curious. And then see what the answer is. And hopefully 90% of the time, it's going to be satisfactory. But uh, do go to staff church leaders early on. Do attempt to walk through whatever the issue is and, and reconcile and come out on the other end with one mind. And even if it's, hey, on this one, we're going to agree to disagree agreeably, but uh, we understand and we love each other. And, and in that process, be determining, is this issue that is has come up, is it primary or is it tertiary? And so many things we make tertiary, secondary issues, we make them primary primary when they're not. Um, and it is, there, there's always going to be tertiary disagreements. There's always going to be. I mean, if you're in, a, I don't care what size church you're in. I don't care what kind of church you're in. I, you, you put, you're going to have, let's just say if there's a hundred decisions in a year on any number of levels, whether it's children's ministry curriculum to service times to whatever, a hundred decisions a year, you know, how many, how many do you think you're going to have hundred percent agreement with? Yeah. And so you just have to say, was that a tertiary? Or is that a primary? Okay. I might've done something different and yeah, it kind of irritated me or bothered me a little bit, or I wish it had been done differently because I really liked that. Da, da, da. But you know, uh, it's not a big deal. <laughs> you know, And um, so I will just have to agree to disagree agreeably and realize that's just, that's going to happen. And so those are some of the things that I would say. Well, let's say somebody does those, I mean, and prayerfully, or they, they try to have the proper conversations and gosh, like, I just want to emphasize like how important that is. You've mentioned it, but I just don't, oh, those conversations don't happen often enough. And it's so painful when people leave. And then if you talk to them and they're like, oh, you know, yeah, I left because of this, or I didn't like this or this. And they're like, oh gosh, like that. I understand why you feel that way, but I wish we could have talked about this. Like, this is, I wish I could have cast a vision for that. Like, yeah, I mean, if that's how you perceived it, I would have been upset too, but that's not at all, you know, what, how we had meant that, or that, that can be really difficult, but that that's, if you're willing to have that conversation, but let's just say, you know, you have had that conversation and, and for whatever reason, you know, the people that you're talking with your church, they're just on they're, they're you, you can't feel like you can disagree agreeably and you cannot stay. So like, it sounds weird to say, like, is there like a proper etiquette to leave a yeah. church? Like, like, do you write, meet with the pastor? Do you write a yeah. note? Like, what's the best thing yeah. to do? Yeah, I mean, uh, in your spirit, you're going to, as you said, you, you, you want to agree to disagree agreeably. Even if they don't let you, you want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to ghost or quiet quit. And so where you, um, you want to, what I would suggest is that you, you know, if, if you really have had the conversations, you've really tried to work through this, the, the leadership, whoever you're talking with, whatever staff person or even senior pastor, whoever it is that you're, you've been having this, trying to work this through, they obviously know because you've done that what the issues are. So just um, at the end, just say, you know what, uh, this is primary for us. It's not tertiary. It's 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 one that um, I understand where you're coming from, but I, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not there. And you may be right and I may be wrong, but I'm just not. And uh, I just and then at that point, you just say, you know, uh, we 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 are going to be looking for another church, but I want to express my appreciation to you. And I want to 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 tell you and 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 you do it in a way that lets that staff person or pastor express appreciation to you, too, to where you say, you know what? I hate that we've come to this. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I think you understand where I'm coming from. We do have a, a disagreement on this. And. I, I wish it wasn't a primary issue for you, but I get it. And so let me just say, uh, I feel like you've gone through this in a godly way, in a biblical way, and in a loving way. And so I can very cleanly say, even though this is painful and it you know hurts, 
I can honor you and I can express appreciation to you for all of your years of service and and what you've done. And, and this church is better because of you. And wherever you go, you know, I'll be the first one on the phone to that pastor to say you're getting a winner. And and somebody who was who was such a key role here, and you should not have any qualms about building around them. We had an honest disagreement, and and you know, and and I, I and you know, he said this is a good person, and and it can end that way. If you're a Christian community, it can end that way. I mean, look at Paul and Barnabas, and 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 you know, I mean, just you just have this, and Paul and John Mark. I mean, it, it can happen. But there's also reconciliation so that you, you can done in such a way that if they want, and I always wanted to do this way, and Susan and I work hard on this, we always want to have it end in a way where that person always feels comfortable coming back. We just say, you know what, we, 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 we love you. We so appreciate all that you've done. If you ever feel led to come back or something, the circumstances change, no one will celebrate that more than us. And, you know, uh, and so you want to leave that door uh, open um, and for a return relationally, if they'll let you. And, and, but I'm, I'm, I'm talking like how someone should leave, make it so that you could return, you know, if you wanted to and not feel awkward about it. I think the key too is, and I've thought about this, let every, um, correspondence, every conversation that you have, uh, be one that a non-Christian could overhear and be drawn to Christ as a result. Two Christians disagreeing, but can they do it in such a way that a non-Christian could overhear and not be turned off to Jesus and not be turned off to church and not be turned off to Christian community? Um, so that's a that's a challenge. It's a high bar, but I, I think it's the New Testament bar. And and so um, and then, you know, just handle it in a way where, where that church can truly bless and honor their departure. The hard ones for me are where it's handled in such a way that you can't bless them as they exit. You can't honor their departure. Because it was done in such a way that you just can't and, and you wish you could. It didn't have to end this way. And there could have been closure or there could have been a sending off, you know, as opposed to a, a, an empty hole. And uh, I, I just I wish there that was that was done you know, more that way. I was just thinking kind of as you were responding about how countercultural, like how truly marked a Christian is when they can handle conflict in the way that you described. And I was just thinking about like how you really have to be discipled to do that. Like, you know, especially if you have a church that has, you know, a lot of new believers or people coming from an unchurched background, like we just don't, like the world just does not handle conflict the way that you described with these, you know, conversations of mutual respect and wanting to disagree agreeably. And like, like, as you mentioned, that people just kind of ghost, like that's like the norm for conflict resolution. And so um, it does seem like such a beautiful testimony, you know, if, if a, well, that was the mark of the early church yeah. and, 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 you know, the odd pagan reaction to the Christian movement was see how they love one another. Hmm. They were blown away by the love of, of each other. And, you know, and, and it's like, and after they saw that, they said, okay, now tell me about this, Jesus. Tell me about your theology. <laughs> you know, and it was, a, it was a love that was, that led. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just think that's a beautiful reminder, you know, that it, it's I don't know, just to think about the church, the kind of the global church or, you know, the the big capitals, the capital C church, you know, even as you leave a local church that you are always reflect Christ in the bigger C church. And so how you do that really matters. And yeah, I, I think that's a great reminder. Um, now, you mentioned in, in terms of your response about staff leaving, about sometimes there can be disagreements within a family and that might lead some, leave somebody 
lead somebody on staff to decide to leave. And so, but I'm also wondering, is that true too, you know, for people who aren't on staff, you know, who just find themselves in a situation where their family is split on whether to attend or keep attending a church, you know, like maybe something happened that would make the parents want to leave, but gosh, like the kids are loving the children's ministry or the student ministry, or one spouse has like a really strong objection to something, but the other spouse is really enjoying it. Like, how do you counsel people in that situation? I always start off um, by saying, I think it's very important for a married couple to attend the same church, for a family to attend as a family to a church and not start splitting off to different churches. And so I always say, you know, wherever this ends, whether you're here at Mac or you're somewhere else, you know, that's the goal. That's the target on the wall. I think that's very important. I don't think it's healthy for a married couple to be worshiping in two different churches, involved in two different churches. I think it's important to be together on that and very important for a family. Second, I would say, I would say, talk to me about what the issue is and, 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 I'll, and try to try to get them to be very authentic about it and transparent because it often isn't about the church. It's often more about that person. And then they project it out on the church. And I've seen this happen many times. There's something going on and they point to the church as the church is the problem. This is what's causing it. If I, we weren't in this church, we wouldn't have this marriage project, marriage problem. If we weren't in this church, the kids would be different. If we weren't in this church, I could be more involved. And in another church, I would be there. And then what happens is they, they often leave the church and, you know, the man or the woman or whoever don't find another church and that didn't solve the problems and the kids are still the kids and the marriage is still the marriage and they were projecting out. And so uh, you want to, to really try to get to the real issue and not just have it uh, be something that is automatically associated with the church when it's, it's deeper than the church. Hmm. And it was present in the church before that and the church before that and the church to come. And there's this, there's this, you know, so, um, but I think it is critical to be together and to, to be involved in, in one one church. Now, on another kind of a side note to that, if I'm sitting there, say, as a husband, and i am got some issues maybe where I'm dissatisfied with something, um, I'm going to look over at my, my wife and I'm going to say, uh, wh- is she happy? Does she have a ministry here? Does she have community here? Is she growing and thriving and flourishing here? How are my kids? Are my kids growing in Christ, thriving, flourishing, and, and such? Then uh, maybe it's a time where I am a, a servant. Hmm. And yeah, there might be a church that I might like a little better. I Maybe the music's too loud here for me or whatever. Uh, hey, I primarily exist as a servant and have the selfless love of Christ for my family. And so I'm going to look at what's best for them. Hmm, that's, a, that's a great perspective. Um, I, I don't have any other questions, um, but before we wrap up, do you have any, you know, last, I don't know, personal or final thoughts on this before we, before we finish? Yeah. Uh, let me go back and just put on my pastor's hat. I, it, this always feels personal. Hmm. Um, you know, I, when, when this topic came up and you, you suggested it, I just kind of inside, I just kind of went, <sighs> <laughs> I just, I mean, it's, 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 it's the, it's, it's always deep grief. I mean, uh, when anyone leaves, it's, it's people you loved. It, it's people you, you cared for, uh, one to Christ, you baptized them. Um, and you really wanted and thought you were going to do all of life together. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's like, uh, you may not feel that way toward me, but I felt that way toward you. 
um, the family tie was strong for me. The father sense of fathering was strong for me. Um, so it, it does make me on the flip side of that though, so appreciate longevity and so appreciate loyalty. And, um, like for example, in thinking about this, I was, I was thinking about, I was thinking about you kiddo. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're, you're dear to me and, uh, you, you started coming here in middle school mm-hmm. and, um, I baptized you and I officiated at your wedding and, um, I dedicated each one of your children. Yeah. And, um, I remember after college, uh, I talked to you. And you were going on a two-year mission. And I don't know if you remember this conversation, but I said, when you get done from that mission, I want to talk to you about joining our staff. Yes. I did not believe you at the time, but I do remember that conversation. And then you came back from that mission in Argentina. And I said, Lex, <laughs> <laughs> we have a conversation. Yeah. And you joined staff. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, so it's been, what, 20-plus uh, years. Yeah. And together. And and so for me, uh, what you and I have and what I feel toward you, I'll just speak for myself, is a sweetness that I wish more churches and pastors and congregants, people in the church could experience. Mm-hmm. And you you miss out on that sweetness. You miss out on that doing life together. You miss out on on that 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 legacy. And um, and for example, I, I was a bit of a wreck when I was surprised at our last baptism, <laughs> when your son appeared to be baptized. And I thought, I'm baptizing her son. This is so cool yeah. <laughs> and so that. sweet. So I think that's every pastor's heart. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, I just wish that, you know, that we could work, have the conversations you talked about so that there could be more of long life done like that. And I'm, I'm blessed that that's more the norm than the other. But um, I and so I'm I'm grateful for that. But um, so yeah, that's what you're working for. Mm. Well, gosh, thank you. <laughs> um, that was very touching. Thank you. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't. I'm just gonna finish this out. I don't feel like I have anything to add. I that this really was meaningful. So, um, thank you a lot for this conversation. I again, I mean, we hope all of our conversations serve those of you who are listening, and I hope this one in particular did. And and again, like if you're involved in ministry, like I. I hope that you see this beautiful vision, you know, um, of, gosh, a family life available within the church and how that really needs to be something that we're discipling people toward. And if you're a part of a church, you know, to really kind of think about community in that light. Maybe you've not experienced a church that felt like family, but maybe maybe it could, you know, if you if you pursue that type of um, involvement or if you have that as your your target on the wall. So anyways, thank you, Jim. Thank you guys for listening. And we hope that you'll join again next week.